Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Momony Podcast. This is episode 250. Yes, 250. Damn. Damn. How did that happen? <laughs> Alrighty. Um, my name is Jessica Morehouse. I'm the host of the Mo Money Podcast. Welcome to the show. If you're new, hello and welcome. I hope uh, you know, you're here to stay because I've got obviously 250 episodes for you to listen to if you want to, you know get more familiar with the beautiful world of personal finance, financial independence, and everything that you can think of about money. Um, and if you're a loyal, longtime listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around all these months, years. Man, I love all of you. You're so awesome for sticking around for so long. So uh, for this episode, I have a gal who I've been following on uh, social media, specifically Instagram, for quite some time. And I'm like, I really like her perspective and the content that she puts out. She is kind of a refreshing take on personal finance. I find like yeah, having so... I've been talking to so many people on this show over the years. Um, it's actually kind of unique to find someone with a very kind of different uh, way of thinking. And so I have the wonderful Michael James... She is the founder of bougiebudgets.com. Oh, and she's also kind of her, her stage name, so to speak, is the bougie budgeter. Um, so she has bougiebudgets.com. It's an online platform dedicated to teaching Gen Z professionals how to finance their best lives. And FYI, I'm apparently not Gen Z, I'm a Gen Y. Ah! The tip, tip, you know, uh, as kind of uh, Michael says in the show, she's act, you know, really, she is a millennial, but she's like on the cusp. So she's kind of like, like Gen Z, Gen Y, yeah, she's kind of both of those things. But it's interesting talking to someone younger than me, which makes me feel old even saying that, even though I know I'm not old, but she's basically a decade younger than me. So fascinating just getting her take on things because the world has changed so much in the past 10 years and also not a lot in some respects. Anywho, going back to my kale. So her whole thing is uh, educating Gen Z uh, professionals how to finance their best lives, which who doesn't love that? And uh, her stories, you know, upon graduating with her MBA focused in accounting, so she knows what she's talking about. She also became a certified financial literacy instructor. Um, and she, like I kind of said, has a fresh new take on managing money and finances. And her teachings use, you know, pop culture references and relatable language to help her audience understand confusing money concepts such as budgeting, saving, and investing. And the goal is really to make positive money moves while still controlling your finances because you can only live your best life when it's properly financed. And we talk a lot about this in the episode, but what I really appreciate is um, she comes from the perspective of you don't have to live in extreme in order to have a better life. And I think a lot of the financial information, education, a lot of the books and all of the different kind of niches in uh, personal finance specifically, very focused on extremes or giving up things uh, instead of, you know, balance. How about having, you know, a, a decent life, enjoying your life and also saving money or paying down debt and uh, building wealth and all that kind of stuff. Is it possible? I personally believe so because I... I'm not I'm not a big fan of extremes because they don't like they don't work long term. They can short term but not super long term. So that is what we're going to be talking about more in this episode before I get to that interview with Michael. Here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money podcast is sponsored by PC Financial. 
There's something very exciting happening. If you're a big fan of no monthly bank fees like I am, PC Financial recently launched their PC Money account. That's right. They are back. Their PC Money account has some major benefits that I think you're going to be very interested to know about. The big draw for me, of course, is that it charges no monthly fees. But on top of that, you can also earn 10 PC Optimum points for every dollar you spend, no matter where you shop which means you'll be earning points by spending money on things you already do anyway. Not only that, to help Canadians get more from their money, the PC Money account rewards customers with bonus points too. For instance, you can earn 1,000 points for paying bills, up to 5,000 points each month for bills over $50, 10,000 points for linking an external bank account, and a one-time 25,000 points for setting up and using direct deposits such as your paycheck. Oh, and did I forget to mention that when you spend money at Shoppers Drug Mart, you can earn 25 points for every dollar you spend. To learn more and to stop paying monthly bank fees and start earning points, visit pcfinancial.ca. Once again, that's pcfinancial.ca. Welcome to the Mo Money Podcast, Michael. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Jessica. I am super excited to be here to and to chat with you. Yes, I know. I've been following you on, uh, I think, Instagram probably, si- well, I don't know how long, but it seems like a while. I really enjoy your posts. And I'm like, oh, she'd be very interesting to have on the show. And so uh, excited to have you here. So you are a certified financial literacy instructor, but you also have an MBA that was focused on accounting. So it sounds like you were kind of uh, naturally inclined to the personal finance world. Do you want to kind of share a little bit about your background? Did you always kind of, uh, well, it sounds like maybe you wanted to work in accounting first and then maybe pivoted to more personal finance. Do you want to kind of share, how did this all start for you? Yeah, so I am, I like to say that I'm, I'm like the product of what happens when you actually teach your children about finance and personal finance. So my mother was actually, she, she started school. She didn't finish, but she started school and she was an accounting major. And I actually took my first accounting class in 10th grade. So, um, I was like, I, ended up getting put into the accounting class because, you know, that's like one of those like random electives that nobody wants to take and it just ends up on your schedule. And I like, I look at my teacher, um, shout out to Mr. Anderson. And I say, you know, I'm only going to be in here for a week. So, um, (laughs) until I get my schedule changed and literally it took one week for me to fall in love with accounting, like just the, the system of money was always super interesting to me since, like I said, since 10th grade. So by the time I went to college, I was doing the full accounting cycle in college accounting as a freshman, as a, actually as a senior in high school. So I've honestly been in the accounting world, in the finance world for the past 10 years. And People get so surprised when I say that, but (laughs) because I'm 24, but it's really been something that's always been a part of me. Like I said, my mom is, she's the purse holder. So I'm used to seeing women in charge of money and making money decisions. So it just was a natural gravitation for me. And then I went to school and I got my MBA. I got focused in accounting, um, did everything, you know, by the book. And graduated, went into um, finance for an engineering company and realized that I knew nothing 
about personal finance other than like the things that my mom taught me. But uh, money is a little different from like how she used to teach me. And, you know, now we have kind of our different methods and we talk about it. But I was 22 when I first started in corporate America, making over $60,000 a year. And, you know, what do you do when you're 22 making, (laughs) (laughs) bringing in almost like $3,000 a month? spend it all because that is all you can do. And then I decided, you know, I wanted to find someone or some type of like help for my personal finance to make sure, you know, I was going on the right track and I was hitting some goals and milestones. And when I started looking through the personal finance community, I just got a lot of this weird budgeting and <laughs> a lot of this like shameful talk of like, why are you buying stuff when you have debt? And it's like, okay, like what am I supposed to do? Like the <laughs> debt is not going to be gone overnight and I still need things and I still want to live a nice life. Like I like to travel. I like to do things. I think one of the first few posts I saw was like, if you don't have $10,000 in your bank account, then you shouldn't be traveling. What? Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> like, it's just, and I realized that there was so much shame around that type of, just the money help. And I wanted to create a platform where people like me who didn't want to wait until they paid off every penny of debt and ten thousand, and had ten thousand dollars in savings to actually start enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's interesting that you say that because I definitely have similar experiences. I mean, now we are maybe ten years difference in age, but uh, when I first started, you know, you know, self educating and reading blogs and stuff, there's definitely a lot, I mean, there was a lot less in terms of like voices. Um, and so there was just a certain kind of voice, but there was definitely a lot of shame. And I think part of that was, I guess, maybe a strategy in order to motivate people. Like if you, you know, kind of like the, um, instead of a reward system, a kind of uh, a system to make you, uh, you know, think twice about what you're, yeah. and I guess that can be effective. It was effective for me for a while because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do this because I guess, you know, the thought process is like, we're saying yes too much. We need to stay, say no or something. I, who knows? But what I realized is it's effective to a certain point. But uh, as humans, we need positive reinforcement, not just negative reinforcement. And so it's it's not going to work for a lot of people. And like yourself, it didn't work at all. You're just like, this is not for me. This is not, you know, why, sh- why does it have to be an extreme? And I think that's the other issue too. There's a lot of extremes going on in the personal finance community, which is an interesting story, interesting headline, not effective for a real life person who just wants to live their life, but, you know, manage their money. So what was something when you're like, okay, well, I want to become, you know, a a financial literacy instructor and also start creating my own content with this kind of new mindset. What was something that you're like, this is how I want to present this information? Well, originally, I just wanted to like, maybe help someone else or like, you know, just I just wanted to, to really figure things out for myself. I really didn't set out to make an entire platform, but it really stemmed from, I didn't like anything that was like really out there. And even further, there were really people my age, my marital status, (laughs) 
that we're giving financial education because, yeah, if you are 10, 20 years older than me, you're in your, your late 30s, early 40s, and you're married, your budgeting is going to look a lot differently from a 22-year-old that just started working, that is just starting to build. And I did not like it. And I, and I wanted to make sure I created something where people could see themselves reflected and they didn't feel shame, shamed for wanting to you know, take a vacation or buy a luxury item. Because again, like a lot of times when we're talking about budgeting, the first thing people tell you to do is like, oh, well, look for things that you can cut out. No one is telling you, you know, look at, look at your life and think about the things that make you happy. Because there's, there's this thing that there's no emotion in money and that I'm calling BS because it's absolutely false. Like every decision that we make is a money decision, but even further, it stems from some type of emotion, whether it's a money trauma, whether it's a positive emotion, you know, if you were a child and ice cream made you happy, so you buy ice cream. So are you just going to stop buying ice cream in the name of saving $5 so you can take, you know, two years to become debt free? Uh, buy your ice cream. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like, it's not going to to kill you to 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 do things that still preserve your quality of life. I've read stories of people who like only ate pasta for their entire life, like for two years and biked 20 miles to work. I'm like, first of all, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not happening. I'm not, I don't, I don't even know how to ride a bike. I'm not doing that. I am not going to sacrifice my health either. So, you know, there's, there's definitely have to be a give and take and, I was also just tired of looking at that bad report card because I did it. I I did that traditional budgeting where you have every line item and you're trying to like guess to see how much money you're going to spend. And then when you spend $5 over that, you have these big red numbers to say, hey, girl, you suck because you can't spend within your means. And you just feel terrible. And I was like, my money is... I work hard for my money. I work 40 hours every, yeah, 40 hours a week and I work hard. Why should why should I not enjoy how I'm spending money and reframe that? So even even if, you know, your your goal is to get debt free, you should be enjoying your debt free journey. You should not feel like you are just like slowly killing yourself in the name of debt freedom. That's not a way to live. That's not, like you said, it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not feasible. And after a certain time, it's just going to be like, all right, I am sick of this and I need to do something different. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen that with a lot of people I've known over the years who were on debt free journeys and uh, you know, lots of people have done different strategies, but the people that did the extremes, which we all see those headlines, I was able to pay off this amount of crazy debt in a short amount of time. Very cool to see. Whoa, that's that's crazy that that's possible. But I feel like when it comes to extremes, when I talk to people, 
they just they aren't sustainable and like you said it's it's i feel like it's it's good for you to achieve that one goal but what happens after that goal all you've learned is how to live in extremes and that's not something that you're going to continue once you're debt free you know you we want to create some sort of balance and I think a lot of the information that we get from like the media and just, you know, other people out there, other money experts are, they kind of tend to talk about extremes because it's more exciting for, you know, the publication or or whatever the case. But for real people like you and me who've, you know, gone through our uh, different journeys, yeah, it's, it's extremes only work for a certain amount of time. And then you're like, I am so unhappy. And like you said, I think that's so beautiful that we, if you're on a debt-free journey, you shouldn't be ashamed. It shouldn't make you feel bad and you should enjoy it. I love that idea. What do you kind of mean by enjoying it? Like how were you able to kind of figure out a way that people can, um, you know, start paying off debt, have more organization with their finances, but also feel good about it and also enjoy the process. What does that kind of look like? Celebrating each win, number one. Um, and, and practicing the gratitude, gratitude <laughs> really changed the game for me. And I say it all the time. I'm grateful for my for the money in my bank account, whether it's $5 or it's $5,000. That's still money that I'm grateful for. It's not money that I'm grateful for because maybe some people don't have money or I'm grateful for this money because it could be worse. No, I'm just grateful. I'm just genuinely grateful. And and that's where I think some people also fail that they have to feel grateful based on stipulations. Feeling grateful because I have money and somebody else doesn't is, does that not sound like the craziest thing to you? Yeah. Like when someone's like, wow, like you need to be grateful because other people don't have these opportunities what does that have to do with me? Like, you know, and why should I be grateful because other people don't have that, this luxury? No, I'm grateful for the money in my bank account because I'm grateful for the money in my bank account. And that's it. And then, yeah, celebrating the wins and just hyping yourself up. You got to get excited. So if you are on that debt-free journey, every dollar that you put towards that, you know, say your gratitude and get excited, reward yourself. Like, again, like we said, positive reinforcement. So if every time you pay a snowflake payment or, you know, make a payment towards your debt, watch a movie, you know, do do something fun, do something that makes you feel good. And it doesn't have to cost anything. It can be free. Watching movies are free. I mean, if you using somebody else's Netflix, I don't know. <laughs> But watching a movie can be free. Watch, like, you know, doing something to make yourself feel good or to reward yourself for the great work that you are doing. We forget to, like, compliment ourselves. We forget to to tell ourselves, like, you know, you did a great job, Jessica. You did a great job for paying off debt. Or you did a, an amazing job for saving $500 this month. And you need to reward yourself, reward yourself by, you know, whatever you feel like is a reward and create that system for yourself, create a reward system, make yourself feel great about the money decisions that you are making, because no one can tell you what your correct money path is. 
I can give you what I did. I, you know, Jessica, you can tell everyone what you did, but at the end of the day, we can't hype you up or, you know, the listener up, you have to hype your own self up and you have to be confident in whatever money decision that you make. And that's one thing that I, I want to make sure that my audience always takes away is like, I don't care what you spend your money on. As long as that you feel comfortable and confident in every money decision that you make, because you could say, oh, I paid off $500 worth of debt. And there will be 10 financial people lined up at your door telling you how your decision was wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It's it's wild when I talk to financial counseling clients to hear the advice they've gotten from other people or other authors or experts. And like part of my role is uh, to not be judgmental, which is fine. I'm happy to do that. But so I have to kind of check myself and be like, okay, okay, try to be unbiased and just really look at kind of the facts. But it's it's interesting. Sometimes they have to unlearn some some bad advice, which is really tricky. Like uh, I've been seeing a lot more things on social media about well, and I, I think this kind of goes into the whole idea of debt is bad. You should feel bad that you have debt. You should only feel good once you're debt free. You should aggressively paying it down, and that should be your only goal. La la la, which ignores so many other factors, like you mentioned. Well, it shouldn't just be about cutting expenses. It should be cutting expenses that don't provide uh, like joy or add value to your life. That's how we should look at spending, which I think is is becoming more. I've been hearing a lot more people talk about that, and I. Man, if I knew that in my 20s, I think I probably have a easier time on my own personal finance journey and also feel less bad about that because we shouldn't feel ashamed of it. But just the ideas, like I had this one client who asked about, you know, the kind of program I created, which was you're building up your emergency fund while paying off debt because the only way to stay out of debt is if you have cash, if there's an emergency. We've all seen people that have gotten into more debt because they didn't have cash on hand to pay for the emergency. And she read from some other well-known money expert, oh, well, I, I think I should just pay off my debt aggressively. That's what they say. And I'm like, you know, again, it's up to you to do what you want, but I feel like that is kind of bad advice because I've seen this time and time again. People just aggressively put all their money on debt. Guess what happens? An emergency and they have no cash. What do they do? They use their credit card. So it's it's like you said, people need to realize they're accountable to themselves. People can give you advice all day long, but it's some some of it may be good, some of it may be bad, but you are the one that has to live that life and it's your money. And so it's that, I think that other element is like, we need to, and I really like how you said that, uh, do the gratitude with ourselves and, and, and hype ourselves up. Cause if you're always looking for external validation, you're probably not going to get it. Or you're going to get a bunch of people saying you did it wrong when you're actually doing it right. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to, to do money. Honestly, <laughs> like there is a million ways to make a million. There is a million ways to pay off debt. There's so many different strategies. And I just want you at the end of the day to feel like I did it. I did it the way that works for me. And I feel great. That That's, that's all we need at the end of the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the end of the, yeah. At the end of the day, it's about us setting whatever goals make us feel good. Like what do we want in life and then achieving them. And I think for me, when I was, 
at the beginning of my journey and learning this stuff, I didn't, I couldn't grasp that concept because it did seem because there's so many opinions. It did seem like there was a right and wrong way. And I was always unsure if I was doing it right. And then as I, you know, educated myself more, I realized actually, yeah, like you said, there's a million ways to make a million dollars. There's a million ways to pay off a million dollars. And we need to realize that. And and part of that is just like getting confident with yourself and being able to tell people, thanks for your advice. I'm not going to take it. I'm moving on. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> it, it really is. Like for, for me, I am not someone that's super into the stock market. I'm not really into real estate. Those aren't things that like when people are like, oh yeah, I want to own a bunch of houses or, you know, I'm, I'm checking the markets. I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't, I don't care. And am I wrong for not caring about it? No. Like there are so many other ways to grow your wealth and grow your net worth that why am I hung up on the fact that I don't want to be the wolf on Wall Street or, you know, like Mr. Monopoly collecting all these properties. I don't want to do it. And it's fine. Like I'll leave it to someone who actually does, but there's even ways that I could get into real estate and not own one property, you know, and we're so conditioned to like want to actually be out there doing the work and stuff like that. I'm going to be honest with you, that flipping houses stuff, someone else can have it. Yeah, like watching the TV shows about it, but I don't want to flip a house. <laughs> I do not. I don't want to lift a hammer. I don't, don't want to go house hunting. I don't want to do any of it. It's just, it. it's not appealing to me. I don't want to be someone's landlord for real. Like, And it's like, I don't have to. Just because someone else is making money that way does not mean that that's the way that I need to make money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I want to kind of talk a little bit about um, the mindset of Gen Z. So you're a Gen Z. I'm a millennial. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, similarities, especially what we're going through right now. It's it's sort of reminiscent of when I graduated university during the recession. Now we're entering this other weird world that is hard to kind of like, I've had lots of people ask me like, what's it like as a millennial going through this again? I'm like, I don't know if I can compare. And I don't know if that's fair. Because it's like, I can't, you know, back in my, when I was going through this, the advice was get a side hustle. I can't, I feel so weird telling people get a side hustle when there's like a health crisis and it's still like going on. But I mean, what I have seen, at least from um, the Gen Z, uh, you know, Generation Z, which I think is honestly great is I feel like there's so much energy and hope and I'm just like really excited. I mean, you guys are going to probably save the planet. So I'm all on board for that. But I'm curious what's the kind of money mindset from your generation? Is it like, I feel like the millennials were, uh, I I don't know what, I don't know what the, uh, people think anymore, but it, you know, people would think that, you know, it was the me, me, me generation. We were lazy and entitled, yada, yada, but really we were just like trying to make it work and hustle because we were broke and there was no jobs and all that stuff. It seems like Gen Z is a little bit more positive or optimistic. I don't know. That's my perspective. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think one, I'm still technically a millennial. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> on the I'm, cusp. I'm, yeah. I'm like one of those cusp. Like, it's like, 
you know, either way. So I was born in like, I was born in 95. Um, So very, very much on like the cusp, like depending on what article you read, I I fall either one, whatever. Um, I like to think of it as in the relation to technology. So let's think about the last time there was a recession, 2008, 2009, what just happened? The first iPhone comes out. That was the first iPhone came out in 2007, right before the the recession, right? And how that is when we started to shift the way we receive information. That's when YouTube is huge, and uh, or well, YouTube was just growing, and it's just a thing where people are like, "Well, what is this? Like, we don't really know." Oh yeah, I remember it being like, "This is a fad. It's going to go away right. in a few years." And <laughs> now, fast forward, less. It's not even twenty years later. YouTube is an epicenter of education how we receive information is so different than it was even 20 years ago because of the development of technology and how we are grown up on it. Like, you know, a lot of the, especially the older millennials, they didn't grow up on technology the same way as a person like me, you know, we were on computers and learning how to use Macs and stuff when I was in like first grade and that wasn't a thing. Right. And that is where the breakdown becomes because there's this idea that, you know, Gen Z doesn't want to listen or things like that. And, you know, reckless, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, when, when you're looking at the statistics, because we have more access to education, younger people are starting to build 401ks and retirements now faster. I, I did a um, talk at Columbia University and they're asking about retirement as freshmen in college. So because now we're starting to hear more about it, you know, it's not a secret and then the other thing is that we are in the land of influencers. We have the Instagram influencers, Twitter, whatever, these social media influencers that are shedding light on some things. Even when we're thinking about how the music industry changed and how people are deciding to be more independent and then exposing how contracts are written and things like that. Like the information is out there. So people are taking more advantage of it and trying to, to figure out and is, you know, using the technology to become more accessible. So that's how I think of it. Like, because social media really is a 24 seven news cycle, you always have access to this information. There are, 15-year-olds that are researching how to learn how to trade on Robinhood. Free account. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to be 18, so they just got to, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. get, yeah. pa- you know, get parent approval or something like that. And, but how to like learn the strategy, they can do that themselves. Yeah. I guess it's like beyond 
like, you know, when I was growing up, it was like the lemonade stand was basically the most I'd learned about money. It's like, if you set up a business, you can make some money. And that was it. And then it's basically, we just spend the money. But now (laughs) those kids can learn how to trade, which is wild. But for me, I think this is... I think there's a couple there's a couple of issues, but I think in general it's so great that uh, the information is more accessible because I think that was the problem. It wasn't like you said; it was kind of like a secret or private. It was hard to find information about how to invest or how to manage your money, and now it's more out in the open. But I think also the problem is so much information and so much. You know, is this good information? Is this biased information? So it's also like the the kind of job of, you know, everybody basically is deciphering what is good and what's bad or or, or what's what works and what doesn't work for me or what should I listen to? And what should I just, you know, not listen to? It can be a lot. Yeah. I And I think that, well, first, there, there definitely is such thing as bad financial information. Yeah, there's some bad advice there's out there. There's <laughs> definitely bad advice. But when it comes to like, just figuring it out. And I think that we also are in this like side hustle. Cause you mentioned like, you know, everyone's like, just, Oh, just go get a side hustle. Like we're, we're in this weird side hustle. Everything is a side hustle and nobody wants a hobby. Oh my gosh, get a hobby. Like everything does not need to be a side hustle because, um, like I was talking to one of my friends and I was saying, I, I like to sew. So very random. I taught myself how to sew. <laughs> in college and I've made a couple things I've made some really nice pieces that I I still wear to this day and she's like oh my gosh like you need to be selling these pieces get some money in and I was like no because it's it's not gonna be fun anymore as soon as somebody starts to like as soon as I have to run it like a business and you know be professional and no I don't like it it doesn't seem it's not fun anymore I don't I'm not going to enjoy it. So we're in this side hustle like bubble because number one, the gig economy is crazy. That's another thing that did not exist. Even 10 years ago, the gig economy did not exist. And you can tell that because of how these laws are changing, how they're creating laws to, to support the gig economy workers, the, um, Uber drivers, Instacart, delivery delivery services, all of those things, like the people who are independent contractors technically, but they do it full-time because you can be a full-time gig economist, to be honest. <laughs> the, the way we, we can make money is so different from how it was 10 years ago. Yeah, it's... And it's, I find like there is some positive things because I remember when I did graduate university and was broke, making hardly any money at the full-time job I got and living in an expensive city, I needed a second job. I needed a side hustle. And so I did have a second job. It wasn't quite a side hustle because it wasn't a business I ran. It was, it was me working at another company at night and weekends. But it's like I literally needed that to survive and pay my bills. And from that, I found a lot of empowerment because I'm like, oh my gosh, so there is an opportunity out there so I don't have to live, you know, paycheck to paycheck. I can have a second job. And so I found lots of positive things. But like you said, it seems like everyone's all about just life optimization. Like how can we profit off this? And I think we've lost a little bit about 
what is life? Isn't life worth living? It's not just about working and earning and saving and spending. It's also about like having a hobby. And like when you're talking about that, I'm like, I honestly don't even know if I have a hobby. (laughs) I'm like, I think everything's sort of related to my business, which is fine. But also I'm like, damn, I don't know if I could tell you a hobby reading. I don't know if that's really a hobby. That's just reading. I mean, reading is a hobby. As long as it's like, you know, a fun book, you know? <laughs> yeah, I read like fun books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, definitely we'll see the evolution of all of this. And I feel like there may be like a rebellion of, you know, everything. And I've been seeing a lot of people, maybe it's also like the bubble I'm on, you know, Instagram or social media. There's a lot of young people I now follow and they're very much of the, you know, following Gary Vee. And it's all about hustle, 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 which I'm like, I get that's great motivation to get off the couch and do something. But also there's the dark side of it where it's like, you're just working and hustling and spending all your hours working and instead of actually yourself living. Out. And I feel like that we're going to see a shift. Yeah. Burnout. Burnout wasn't, that wasn't a concept when I was, younger but now my gosh everyone's talking about burnout this burnout that I'm like that's a problem that shouldn't be normal <laughs> like we should be taking weekends off you know <laughs> like and honestly because like that is kind of how we're taught and I know it, you know we all have our biases and that that was the other thing like every financial influencer is going to have their own bias because we're all different people right I speak from a perspective of a black woman, because that is the only perspective I can give you. (laughs) I cannot give you anything different. And I I remember talking to one of my friends and I was like, you know, my grandma, she was like one of my favorite people in the world. She's literally my best friend. And she was a worker. That's because that's what she had to do. She had five kids. She was a single mom. She had to work. Working is what she had to do. And when she retired, she lived for five years and died. And I was like, that is not the life I want to live. And I don't want that to, of course, that's not her legacy. You know, she's, like I said, my best friend. But I don't want to live this life where I am constantly in hustle mode. I'm constantly working and I can't even look up to hang out with my friends. I can't even look up to enjoy a good movie. Like these pages that are like, if you don't, if you're not a millionaire, why are you watching TV? Because I want to, like I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take a break. Yeah, I need a break. (laughs) I want to take a break. I need to do something fun. I need to unplug. And Mm -hmm. that is where I, I want people to really understand. Like, again, have a hobby, have something that you look forward to uh, back to the positive reinforcement. Um, I ask every, every month at the beginning of the month, what was, what was your favorite thing you spent your money on? Which is something that no one else in the personal finance is going to really ask because we're all, everyone else is talking about never spend your money and keep it locked away in the freezer. So that <laughs> it never thaws out. And I'm like, well, well, what did you spend your money on that made you happy? Like, what was your favorite purchase? And some people will write to me and say, you know what? I've never thought of a purchase that was my favorite purchase before. And that's because we unconsciously spend. We unconsciously and we 
stop being intentional and celebrating ourselves, celebrating our money because we're in this hustle. We're always in this, I got to get this, I got to get that, I got to get this. And it's just like, take a break, you know, be happy with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is again, such a great message. And that's something that I've been like, as I've been getting older too, and um, have reached some of my financial goals. It's, I realized, you know what, the goal shouldn't be to like make a million dollars or have a, a crazy high net worth by a certain age. Cause I guarantee you, cause I've talked to these people, you'll reach that goal and then you'll be like, now what? <laughs> and then like, you know, like, it's just like, you know, it doesn't actually make you that much happier. What right. makes you happier, I think, is being present in the moment, actually enjoying your life now and realizing it's a balancing act. Like it's extremes don't really work and you can enjoy your life and have a good time while you're on your debt-free journey or while you're starting to save and invest for the first time. It's it's okay. But like what you've we've been kind of talking about this whole episode that hopefully people will take away is it's really about and I love how you mentioned the the being more of a conscious spender because I totally agree we need to be more conscious and present and mindful um, and also don't feel bad about spending because at the end of the day the reason you the only reason you have money is for you to spend it it may not be now but it could be in the future like when people think about saving for retirement you know you're going to spend that money in retirement. Like, that's what it's for. <laughs> like, you're going to spend the money at some point. When you have an emergency account, you know, emergencies yeah. are going to, ha- you have to spend that money. You have to. Yeah. So many people I know I've talked to, they're like, oh, I, I have this emergency, but I really don't want to dip into my emergency fund. I'm like, but that is literally it's why, it's there. why it's there. But they're, they're, the idea of saving is to don't touch. It's like, well, don't touch until you need to. <laughs> so it's like, we need to make this shift in our minds to not, to feel good about our money basically. And doing some of the things that uh, I think you, you share on your blog and your Instagram. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that message. We need to hear these messages. I think a lot more so we could feel better about what we're doing. It shouldn't if we, I think we shouldn't feel bad about our money. We need to let go of that concept. It's not working for anybody. Absolutely. It is, it's a drag. And I like to live out. I like to live my life of abundance and positivity. And, you know, that is, that's something that I've adopted and it's made my money journey that much more enjoyable because maybe I don't have a million dollars in the bank account and maybe I do have $75,000 worth of student loans, but I am also 24 and I have an MBA and my parents had six children. You know, it's like when you start looking at your, your situation from a full picture, how else were we going to be able to afford education? How else? Like, you know, and instead of being one, being someone that's like, oh, I'm boggled under student loan debt, I celebrate. Okay, great. I got this education now. Now that I have this, let's let's figure out how I can make $75,000 so I can pay it off instead of, you know, being feel like I'm like, being dragged down, this is making my creativity like run faster. Like, you know, let's get creative. Let's create something that is going to generate more money instead of thinking about life as less, think about it as abundant. Yeah. 
100%. Um, I know you have this financially innovative workbook on your website that people can check out. Do you want to kind of share a bit about that? I like the concept of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, financially innovative is the guide to avoiding financial rock bottom while still living your best life because that is important. So it takes you through the four steps my four main steps in my financial flow, which is um, you're looking at your income, going to your expenses, your savings, and then your spending. Those are literally the only four steps I do. I don't, you know, do all these extra line items and figure out, you know, every $6 I'm going to spend. I don't care. Um, I'm very free spirited on that note, because like I said, I was tired of looking at a bad report card. But it is a super interactive workbook that takes you through every step, breaks it down. Um, uh, we talk about what bank accounts you need. We also talk about uh, the new zero, which is something that I live by when it comes to how I look at the money that is actually in my account. So all of those things wrapped up into one workbook <laughs> that is interactive and, again, takes you through your steps we talk about habit building and how you can make these commitments to yourself because your money journey is a commitment to yourself, whether you have realized it or not. Amazing. And uh, since I've mentioned your Instagram a lot, but I'm sure you're on other platforms, where can people uh, check you out, learn more about you and follow you? Right. So you can follow me at the bougie budgeter. So T H E B O U J I E because bougie with a G looks like boogie to me. <laughs> <laughs> budgeter is B U D G E T E R. So the bougie budgeter, I'm mostly on Instagram, but all on the other interwebs, you can find me at bougie budgeter. No, the Instagram is the only place where it's a the, but we, I, I create content because I love to, and it's fun. And I bring the creativity back to, uh, to money and finance. And if you want to, you know, jump into it, I have a platform called Young, Rich and Responsible that is, um, all about how to be young, rich and responsible. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's just a place where we are not shamed for money and we are just having a great time. We also have a virtual summit coming up soon by that same name. So look out for more details about that. I'm super excited to be sharing it with um, with everyone. And yeah, that's where you can find me and that's where you can connect with me. I definitely do respond to DMs and messages and all of that if they're not crazy. If they're crazy, then I'll just block you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. We need to have boundaries. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show, sharing uh, your perspective. I, I love it. It's very positive and I'm all for it. So thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jessica. This has been so great. And that was episode 250 of the Mo Money podcast with Michaela James. Make sure to check her out at bougiebudgets.com. That is spelled B-O-U-J-I-E budgets.com. You can find her also on Twitter at Bougie Budgeter and on Instagram at the Bougie Budgeter. I love saying bougie. Like that is the, that's a fun word to say. Bougie. <laughs> 
Oh, bougie. Okay, enough, Jessica. Get a grip. Um, anyways, you can find her, like I said, on her website. You can also find out more about her financially innovative workbook at bougiebudgets.com slash shop slash financially innovative, or just go to the show notes, show notes for this episode at uh, jessicamorehouse.com slash 250. I will include a link there and more info about her and all the links that you could possibly th- want in order to learn more about my kale. So I have some, I got some things to share, some actually really crazy, exciting things that I haven't shared with anyone. Um, but before I get to that, I just have a few words to share about this episode sponsor. So sit tight. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is sponsored by PC Financial. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you already know that one of my biggest pet peeves in the banking industry is monthly bank fees. I can't stand them, especially when there are so many great alternatives to choose from nowadays, like the new PC Money account from PC Financial that launched this September. Yes, that's right. PC Financial is back and it's going to give its competitors a run for their money. You see, not only are there no monthly bank fees, but you earn PC Optimum points on every dollar you spend anywhere you shop. That's right. No matter if you're buying groceries, paying bills, or buying one of the many personal finance books I talk about on this show, you earn points. 10 points per dollar to be exact. Not only that, you can earn additional points for paying bills online, linking an external bank account, and setting up and using direct deposit with your PC money account too. You can also earn 25 points for each dollar you spend when shopping at Shoppers Drug Mart. So my question for you is this, what kind of perks are you getting with your bank account? And is it time to make a change? To learn more and to stop paying monthly bank fees but start earning points, visit pcfinancial.ca. Once again, that's pcfinancial.ca. Okay, so, so, so. So first and foremost, if you're new to the show, let me share something very exciting with you. Uh, I'm giving away a ton of books this season of the podcast. Basically, if someone has been on the show that has a book, I'm giving it away. If you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest, or just again, go to the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 250, uh, you'll be able to find a link to the contest page and enter to win a book uh, that has been featured on the show. Another way you can find out when I'm doing all these giveaways or anything exciting, because sometimes I don't put them in the podcast, because sometimes I'll do these, you know, recordings in advance and not like the week of. Today is special. I'm doing it like the day before, which never happens. My husband is not happy because he is the one who has to mix my episodes and I'm sending this at 10 p.m. on Tuesday. He is not pleased. I'm usually much better. I'm usually not a last minute gal like this, but whatever. Anyways, what was I talking about? definitely contests. Oh no, I was telling you about uh, my email list. So uh, if you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe, then you'll be in the loop. I only send it out pretty much every second week. Uh, Also, if you uh, do that, you can also get access to my resource library. I have a ton a ton of fun, uh, free downloads, um, some past webinars that you can watch. Uh, if you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash resources, get access to my free resource library. A couple other things you may want to know. I have a new shop page on my website just launched in this summer. Um, have a bunch of amazing budget spreadsheets. So if you have been listening to this show and you're like, I need to get my stuff together and you need some sense of direction on how to actually do that. Well, the first step is it's a budget because a budget is just a plan for your money. It's a spending plan. That's all it is. And uh, I have a bunch of uh, spending spreadsheets for so many different scenarios. If you're uh, an individual employee, if you're a couple and you're both self-employed, so there's so many different ones. If you go to jessicamorales.com slash shop, you'll find them. Also, when you download 
you know, the spreadsheet, if you get it, you also get access to a whole library of different video tutorials that show you specifically how they work. Um, on top of that, you'll find on the shop page, um, well, also I include a bunch of other kind of um, cool downloads and worksheets from other content creators that have actually been on the show. They've all been on the show, so make sure to check those out. But um, So I have two courses right now. I've got my Fix Your Finances Masterclass. I've got my Investing Foundations for Canadians uh, course. And, and this is the exciting thing that I haven't told anyone. I am, so you can still buy them. You can still register. I'd almost encourage you to do it now because I'm reworking both of those courses to become super crazy, amazing, awesome courses that will, uh, basically be relaunched in the new year. So, first with the Fixture Finances course, um, this is something that I created last winter as a way to basically be that kind of first component because I had my investing course first, uh, but a lot of people, they're like, I want to start investing, but they were not ready because you really need to have a full financial plan your financial house in order before you start investing. And so that is what that kind of answer to is like, here's your basically financial planning course. This is kind of what it is. We go through everything that you need to get together with your money in this course. Um, and then, uh, of course, I have my Investing Foundations for Canadians course, which is really just a course I developed to educate people about investing. And then I was going to be making a third course called DIY Passive Investing for Canadians, which showed you the different ways that you can invest if you want to be a passive investor. Well, I've had, I actually went away this weekend. I don't think I even showed it, shared it on social media. So I was trying to be present in the moment. Went to the cottage. Uh, went to the cottage. Love to say that. I don't own a cottage. It was definitely an Airbnb, okay? Um, but went to a cottage with my husband just to refresh a little bit and had some time to think. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be making some big changes to both of the courses. I'm going to combine that DIY course into my investing course. So it's going to be a fully transformative course. So basically, you can go from zero knowledge of investing to you'll you're going to be investing by the end of it you're going to know what steps to take i'm going to show you specifically and then also making some huge big updates to my fix your finances class so can't really share too much more about it because i'm in the process of doing it now i'm going to be spending basically the next two months november december to do all of this and then launch hopefully in knock on wood or glass which is what uh, what's on top of my desk uh in uh january not gonna put too much pressure on myself but i also I want to get done before the new year because um, I love starting the new year, being like, new you, new year, new life. Let's get rid of 2020 and uh, get some stuff together. So just wanted to share that. Oh, yeah. The important part, the reason why I'm sharing this with you now, because you're like, why do I care? I'll just wait until you tell me it's done in uh, you know the new year is... Um, for anyone who signs up to either of my courses, my investing course or my fix your finances course, you will be grandfathered in to the new courses. Okay. And why that's important is I'm definitely going to be raising my prices of my courses because as I've been told recently, I am not charging near enough money. So if you want to basically get a good deal on um, my new and improved courses that are coming up, uh, I would highly recommend that you sign up for my current courses at their current uh, price points. Because you may not even know this, but I actually lower the price points on both of those courses in the spring as kind of a answer to the pandemic because a lot of people want to take my courses, but you know, financially needed some help. So I lowered my courses by $100 each. Yeah, I'm going to be raising those prices way up even more to what they used to be in the near. So that's my little tip for you. If you want to save some money, sign up right now. Um, what else do I have for you? I feel like that's kind of 
kind of what I'm, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm, my head's at really. Um, so that's kind of all I've, I've got, but, uh, yeah, I've got, you know, I think in terms of the podcast, I think I've got another eight weeks of it. So eight more guests definitely coming up. Um, I still have a few more guests to actually book. So let me know specifically if there's a topic or a guest that you want on the show and I'll do my darndest to get them on the show, but I've got some great guests coming up. So make sure wherever you're listening, subscribe or like or share, um, follow the Instagram account for this show at Mo Money Podcast. Also, there's a Twitter at Mo Money Podcast is where you can find it. Um, but also make sure to follow me, Jessica. I'm only like a hundred followers away from getting to 5,000 Instagram followers, which I know depending on who you are, you're like, that's, that's nothing. I have like way more than that, but I'm not like a super good Instagram. I'm not really good at, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, but I'm not, uh, naturally talented at Instagram, but I'm getting better, which is why I'm almost at 5,000. So make sure to hop on to my Instagram at Jessica I Morehouse and follow me. Do it. Just do. Okay, that is taking up way too much of your time. And I know that was way more self promotion than you were expecting because I rarely talk about that kind of stuff. But, uh, well, I've got a free contest. Remember that? Remember, I'm giving away free books. JessicaWarnhouse.com is that contest. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's it. That's it for me. See you back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good rest of your week. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.